The last 10 years have been quite a challenge. It's been difficult. And it's been so wonderful just to hear people talking about him, sending messages, people who knew him from way back when. And it's really encouraged us and it's given us uh, just a lot of hope. And just because uh, sometimes in the midst of caring for people, especially when they're frail and they uh, we're, we're at our home right until just about the end and we just have to right up front say thank you to uh, my place. My place, those three wonderful ladies there and a whole team back at the, at the rest home who looked after him for the last two and a half months. And we just uh, give them a hand. Yeah, I think a hand is a good thing. <laughs> it was just uh, so wonderful just to have them take the pressure off us at, at that, in that last stage and, and how wonderful that they have been. And uh, so my father-in-law, what a gentle and kind man. I think of, of the words that have been spoken over him in the last few days, it's this gentleness, it's this kindness which uh, spoke through his life. And uh, often when I do weddings, I, lately I've been just encouraging couples with this word, this word called kindness. Be kind. Be kind to one another. And I think uh, that epitomized Ian. He was kind. He never had a harsh word. I, uh, hardly ever. I think Milan and Dini are going to share just one or two uh, moments but he was kind sorry there's somebody at the gate trying to come in um, so he was really really kind and he accepted us he accepted John and I into the family and when I went to England uh, in 1997 I think it was uh, they treated us so well. John and Les Taylor were also across in the, in the UK at that time, and they treated us amazingly well. But Ian, he knew I loved cricket, so he arranged us for me to go and watch the Australians versus Kent at Canterbury, where there's a, a tree in the middle of the field. It's quite a strange oval. But he's a kind man, so let's just, let's just pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you today we've come to celebrate the life of Ian. We thank you for your life in him and his life in you. And we thank you, Lord, for the promise of the scripture that uh, you who began a good work in Ian, you brought it to completion. Even when his mind was lost, you were there with him. You never left him. You never forsook him. And so we thank you for that. We thank you. We thank you for who he was to the family. And it was his journey. His journey. He sought the Lord and found Jesus in a time when he was lost. And he found Jesus and the whole family came in to a knowledge of Jesus and what greater legacy can you, can you leave than your family coming to Jesus? And so we thank you. We thank you for your presence today and we rejoice. 
in Ian's life. And yes, it is a, uh, the, 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 the parting is always, always difficult and hard. But we thank you, Lord, that you are the God of comfort. And Holy Spirit, you comfort us. So let's stand and sing it's a couple of hymns that uh, Ian and Daniel used to sing together very often. It's just very sad at this time that uh, his two, two of his grandchildren can't be with him today. Uh, Colin is in Texas and Amy is in Germany. And so we are going to hear from Colin in a moment and Amy just sends her love. But I'm going to ask uh, Dini and Milane to come and just open the batting and just uh, share a bit about Dad. At a lot of uh, funerals, you get to hear about uh, the deceased, where they were born, when they were born, who their parents are, who their siblings are. But Dini and I figured we'd just have a conversation. And now here we are. Don't cry. I can't cry now. Oh. So this is Dad's memorial service. Are you good, Mom? Yay. Okay. So I wanted to say thank you to all of you for your messages. And as Alan has said, the two common words throughout these messages have been kind and gentle. And um, dad was that to the end. I think the my place ladies can say that, oh, Ian Hill, he's the gentle one. Oh, the gentle one. Okay, we know who you're talking about. And he carried gentleness and kindness, which are two of the seven fruits of the spirit, to his grave. He even died kindly. And you're welcome to tell that story later. But... Um, so because of that, I don't really know what dad's voice sounds like raised. Did you ever hear him shout? Yep. <laughs> you did? did? It's on. I did. Um, I had that ability to trip his trigger. Um, he from, had a trigger? From shy, quiet, reserved, calm gentleman to a raving Jacobite Scottish lunatic. Chasing me over the bed to smack me and well, missing. Let, me, let me go back. Let me go back. I know that dad was angry two times in my 54 years. I knew him to be angry twice. I won't tell the one story because it involved a peeping Tom at your bedroom window. But just interesting that both times that dad was angry were about Dini. <laughs> Obviously, right? Obviously. <laughs> so the second time, was, which was actually the first time because it was earlier in our life, I think I would have probably been about eight or nine. So you would have been um, three years older than that. And we were in what was then Rhodesia and Granny's house, Dad's mom's house. And we had been told under strict instructions that we may not leave the house. And Dini did leave the house through the window, and she broke Granny's blinds. And Dad was really, really angry. I'm not sure if he was angry because you broke his mom's blinds, and that's not a proud moment for a dad, <laughs> or if you were just disobedient. So he took her into a room, 
And um, I stood outside the room. I was, Dini was my idol for a long time in my life. Um, I used to try and imitate her because she was that amazing, still is. And um, so my idol was on the other side of this door getting smacked, and I was not good with that. And so I was on the other side of the door, huddled on the floor in the passage, weeping copious tears because my sister was not okay. But why did it take so long? Because, remember, I am a gymnast, so I like, <laughs> launched from like a cat <laughs> over the bed. <laughs> Onto the windowsill with the broken window and the blinds the and so blind. on. And, um, yeah, I think it was frustration because, you know, it's, it's so horrible when you're trying to hit somebody and the, just the tips of your fingers just manage to get the hair. So it's not that satisfying. And I'm sure it must have enraged him. But, yeah, it was disobedience. It was, what can I say? Yeah. So that was one of the times you got a hiding from Dad. Yes. Another time was when I was... Um, Asked to leave St. Anne's. <laughs> it was just a two-week suspension, but that was for... Um, my dad taught gymnastics there at that time, and I um, encouraged the rest of the girls to lie on the croquet field in a hailstorm on Parents' Day. On oh, Parents' Day? Probably a clue, yeah. And that was also... So anyway, those days are over. I don't do that anymore. do other things, not that. <laughs> what do you want to say about Dad? Because young ladies don't behave like that. But my father, who was the, um, an amazing negotiator and amazing with people that were in a crisis... Um, managed to calm everybody down and um, we all sang Kumbaya afterwards and that was amazing. (laughs) That was was my father. Just his um, ability to to speak and hold a a beautiful conversation. That was a long time ago, hey, Milan, because it's been a long time since he made sense. (laughs) Sadly, sadly, that is a true story. Yeah. Okay. So, um, for me, today is not as difficult, and his death hasn't been as difficult as I had anticipated, because in a way, we kind of lost Dad Mm -hmm. about 10 years ago, Mm. when he checked out of life. Mm. And... um, I think it was because of purposelessness. Mm. He, he, you know, if you don't have a purpose to live your life for, then why are you here? And Dad, for whatever reason, checked out um, just just a while ago. And I remember thinking six Christmas ago, six Christmases ago, that surely this is his last mm. one. And and six Christmases later, very frustrating years, very slow years, um, he held on and held on and held on. And I want to say that mom's dad died of emphysema when he was in his 60s, and it was very traumatic for mom. Because he had, hello, Je. He had um, uh, uh, emphysema, and so did dad. 
And mom remembers as a 20-something young-year-old woman watching her father go in a traumatic way for mom. And now dad has emphysema, and she was convinced that dad would go in the same way. So mom was afraid for the last lots of years of dad's life, because how will we um, steward that moment? And where are we going to get oxygen from? And these ladies came into our life because of a funeral that happened right here for a man who died who was staying at my place. And Kerry, you came and you spoke about him and we were like, oh my gosh, dad has to go there. So on the 15th of March, dad moved to my place and on the 10th of June, dad passed away. But we got a message from them on Tuesday saying, your dad's actually really not well. We're gonna have to move him into his own room. And on Thursday evening, he died. Actually, Elle, that's exactly the same as your mom. Your mom got sick on a Tuesday, and she died on the Thursday. So has God been kind? Has he been kind? I know that through this journey that um, uh, I often say, and not glibly, the pressure point is the growth point. But I'd look at him, and it was irrelevant whether we were with him or not. And he, um, I would say, Lord, let this is feeling like we are unpicking a garment without tearing the fabric. Um, There is glory in it because he knew where he was going. And um, it, it, it just... I thought, if you don't go soon, I'm, I might just help you. <laughs> I say that lightly. But um, it, it, was, it was amazing how it happened. And so the letting go was more of a relief. And um, I have a lot to say, but I can't remember a thing now, that, so that's okay. Um, we're talking a lot about the last 10 years because that was in our face the most. And I want to say thank you to you for your messages because they've helped me remember who my dad was yes. before he lost it. So mm. many of you have said, I remember him when, mm. blah, blah, blah. Mm. And um, especially the cousins in the house, um, you've remembered him back in the Belito days when we went on, on beach holidays together and... Dad was an amazing man. And um, I I wanted to say something on behalf of mom. She remembers that her innocence back in the day was unbelievable. Mom was pretty green. She was super naive. And she met dad when she was about 18, and he invited her to come and see his flat. So there they are sitting alone on the couch together where anything could have happened. And at this point, let it be said, they hadn't even kissed. And he said to her, Danielle, you should be very careful. Had you ever been invited into a man's flat by yourself before? Because um, I don't know if you have, but a lot of men could easily take advantage of you under these circumstances, and you simply wouldn't be able to defend yourself. 
And um, he knew for sure that she had come to his flat out of innocence and also because they were becoming good friends. And so she said to him, you would never do anything like that to me. (laughs) (laughs) And he just laughed at her and kissed her on her forehead. And she felt really safe with him. And can I say on behalf of us and the family that we too always felt safe with dad, hey? He was always there for us. He was such a solid rock. He was always calm. He was always calm. I remember in Joburg when um, we stayed with Uncle Guy and we had borrowed a car because dad's was in the shop. And uh, it was in Craig Hall. And we came out one morning to go back home to Durban, and he came back inside, he says, someone seems to have um, borrowed our car. It was um, an old Persian. It belonged to Greg Reed's, yes. Greg Reed's parents. And they, my mother unloaded so in, in, in a French way, remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just very calm. She was getting more angry with him because he was so calm. How dare he be? But anyway. That was that. Anyway. Eh? Yeah. Um, his calmness. Mm. So I want to say, um, this is probably where it'll get messy for me. But I do want to say this. He lost his mind. And what is interesting is that the scriptures say, don't touch me, please. Because <laughs> then I'll lose it some more. <laughs> The scriptures say that as you become more like Jesus in transformation, it's through the renewing of your mind. And dad lost his. And in this broken world, we, we, we just, we are broken. We all are broken in some way. And so when Kerry phoned me to say your dad has just passed away, My first thought was, where is he? What does this look like? Where is he now? It's minutes. Is there a process in heaven? Is is he standing in a queue? (laughs) Obviously not. There's no register. There's not that. Well, I think there is a register. Our names are somewhere. And I began to think of heaven and um, think of stories that I've read of people who've passed on and then come back for whatever reason and have had a near-death experience. Where is my dad now? Is he in that light? Is he with Jesus? Because the light is Jesus. Oh, my gosh, my dad is with Jesus. What does that look like? Because Jesus is all I want. Jesus is all I long for. It's okay to imagine heaven, but heaven is not heaven without Jesus. So how is he relating and engaging with Jesus? What is he doing with Jesus? And what is Jesus doing with him? Because we're all going to get there. One day when we stand face to face with that one. Oh, what is it going to be like to be in, in the physical company of love? Because that's the bottom line. 
and he's there. And it's great to think of dad in his right mind. Actually, you know, we tend to think, oh gosh, he lost it. He got so old towards the end, worse and worse and worse and worse. Remember him in the beginning of life when he was at his peak. That's what he's like now. Not true. He's better than that. He is now for the first time fully and wholly alive as God intended him. He's way better than Ian was at his earthly best. <laughs> um, and it's wonderful to think of him in all that wholeness, but I'm thinking of him with Jesus. And that's breaking me. And I want to go be with him, but we've got stuff to do on earth first. I'm done. Have you got stuff? No, I haven't. Just to say that um, we three girls and um, Ellen and John have no regrets. Yeah. We did all, the right thing. And um, it all seemed appropriate, and it fell into place very well and easily uh, near the end. And it was um, gentle. I knew the last time I saw my dad, which is the day before, I knew that was going to be the last time. He looked at me, and he seemed far away, but content. I would say his name is Ian Content Hill. He was always content. He never complained about anything. And um, gracious. So um, the way I remember my dad is with fondness and lightness. And the fact that he, um, as uh, Tom said, he died as he lived. And that's true because he never wavered. If anything that he taught me was um, beautiful um, wisdom in, in, in Christ. And that was amazing. The minute mom started to sing to him near the end and speak about the Lord or read scripture to him, he was awake. You, you had his attention without even trying. And that was easy. That was great. Mary Ellen and I visited him uh, first, I think. Um, and he, he sat on the veranda on a glorious day and he said to me this is the most marvelous place I've ever seen that's right and she looked at me and we just couldn't believe it was as if she said as, as if God had spoken through him to say to you you've done the right thing and it was it, just that wonderful atmosphere. The staff are unbelievable. And as for these three angels, I thank you. I think, uh, Greg, if you can uh, play Colin the, from Texas. Uh, he sent a message through this morning. Colin is uh, the grandson. John and Dini's Son. Hello, everybody. This is Colin from Hondo, San Antonio, Texas. I apologize that I can't be there on video call today, but I hope what I have to say today can shed some light on what an incredible man Ian Hill was, what a great father and great grandfather Papa was. Papa had a love for the Lord that was absolutely incredible to the very end. Everything Papa had to say was laced with God. 
it was wisdom that had basically come to life. That's how I saw it. It was very fruitful when we got through a lot of the jokes and a lot of the frustrating hearing issues that we had at the end with Papa. And we all know what that felt like. We had to repeat ourselves a few times. Papa had these wisdom bombs, these, these, these words of gold that were just absolutely incredible. I feel, though, that a lot of people missed an opportunity to actually hear what Papa had to say or do. Um, and I personally feel I had the privilege of being able to be there at the right times to be able to hear these nuggets of, of life from him. And a lot of this was his love for the Lord and the wisdom and patience that he had learnt in this. He was a man that just would not stop puzzling and figuring out a way to come up with a constructive solution. And a lot of this then was directed into the amount of crosswords he did and being the ultimate gamer by always having solitaire open on his computer. And so Papa was iconic for these things. At least this is how I saw him at the end of the day. I love the fact that Papa always had something to joke about, as though, even though it got irritating at times, it was incredible how it seemed to never stop. But what I found really beautiful about Papa and his jokes is that there is not one time where you did not look at him and if he locked eyes with you, he had a big smile on his face. And I think that's probably one of the most beautiful traits Papa had is no one could ever say that he didn't smile at them. And whether that was to engage and laugh and joke or just to smile at them. And this to me was just God within Papa. And if we can walk away with something today is that having God within us can give us peace to be patient and still and to be able to love people without even having to interact with them, just like Papa was able to smile at people and just love them. I personally believe that this was God working through Papa. Papa was an incredible grandfather. Personally, it was amazing to have Papa part of my life growing up. He was there every day. He picked me up from school every day. He never complained. He would always be willing to take me or help me. He would always stop what he was doing to be able to help me and teach me what he knew. And I found that there was I could never not learn enough to Papa. If I needed to go to Papa for a solution on making something or, or something that was out of my reach, he would sit down and help me until I got it. And he was patient with this. And this was an incredible thing because Papa, I think, was patience in the flesh when it came to these tasks. At least this is for me and what I felt and I saw. And there's a lot that I wish my family and cousins got to see about Papa that 
perhaps they didn't see and I got a glimpse of it on how an amazing loving man that he was um, always having something fruitful to say when we got through the hard times of him being um, <laughs> forgetful or in between the jokes there was almost this moment of clarity where there was just this 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 depth of of knowledge and experience that is just like wow this is an incredible man he's done a lot of incredible things he has given my mom Dini and my aunt Mary Ellen incredible advice that has been passed down to myself and my cousins Anthony and Amy and others where we live by these things each day, to not sweat the small stuff. When we're battling with relationships, keeping it simple. And these were just true reflections of what Papa, how Papa sort of approached situations is calm, keeping it simple. And everything that Papa did was laced with the fact that God was present. I cannot not think of Papa and not think of God at the same time. He had beautiful scriptures to say. He would be able to recall incredible points of interest biblically. And he had a love for the Lord that was just consistent and patient. That was very, that's very inspiring. And I wish to mold my relationship with God in the direction that Papa had his with God. I want to thank my grandmother and Gwame for being such an incredible person and such an amazing wife and doting and looking after Papa through all of this. And I know that you got frustrated at times, but Gwame, you're such an incredible hero and champion for loving Papa unconditionally and being there every day. And I want to honor you for that. And I want to thank you for that. For every time that we were not able to be there to help you, you were there to help Papa and be with Papa. And that is just absolutely incredible. And so God bless you and love you. I'm very, very happy that Papa is in a better place. This was a very tough situation and this was something that we didn't all not expect. But I'm relieved that Papa is no longer in a state of suffering. He is with our father. I'm relieved that he is at peace. I'm relieved that our family and my grandmother, we can all sigh in relief in our grief that Papa is officially at rest and calm and he's with the Lord. So thank you all. I hope what I've had to share today can just give you a glimmer of what an amazing man he is. And I'm so proud of this family and friends that have all contributed in the care and the love of Papa. And if you've had the opportunity to share, be taught and see and just experience Papa, I'm very, very glad that you had this opportunity. 
And let us not forget that he is probably one of the most incredible calligraphy people, artists. I don't know the right word, mom. You can correct me. Um, I've ever yet to see. And this is a absolute art that I feel will be missed sorely. Um, but all the heirlooms and items that we have of Papa and his incredible work, I know we will treasure and love. So I love you guys. And I love the Lord. And I love you, Pops. I just bless you all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well done, Colin. From, from Texas. Jonathan, if... Uh, you can come and say a few words. Greetings. I remember Ian and Danielle way back in the beginnings of Sarepta. You know, we used to play football with Noah and Methuselah and all those people. I have memories of him. The reference to the calligraphy and great artist. Uh, I remember he came with Padge Murray to the Okavango swamps, which was quite tough. He took it all in his stride. And uh, I have all those memories. But... He reached the peak of his story, in a sense, when he was in England. Ian was the quintessential English gentleman. And in England, he was a drummer. And he belonged to a band that used to do ceremonial parades through the town. I think he was the bass drummer, wasn't he? Or not? Huh? Uh, kettle drum, was it? And uh, he had his English cloth cap. And that was Ian, the perfect English gentleman. And as has been said, he was always cool. On those, the Okavango trip, we stopped on the way. It was quite a rough stuff. We stopped on the way at Narta, which Ian Meikle said was the pit of hell. And at, at Narta, we just slipped in the dust by the side of the road by the junction on the way to Mound. Uh, incidentally, there was a vagabond there who harassed us while we tried to sleep. And Harry Bowman came and picked him up and put him in a rough dustbin upside down and left him there till early in the morning. But Ian took it all in his stride. Uh, and we dodged the hippo and the elephant as we roared round the Okavango streams in a rubber duck. Uh, but it's, it, it's Ian, the perfect English gentleman, with his English cup. And I think uh, that was, for him, the focus of his purpose and identity. He fitted into that story as a hand in a glove. And uh, 
I remember all, uh, all the things that have been said about him, that, that smile and uh, that imperturbable, cool, take-it-as-it-comes story. And I honor him and bless him and the family and, and thank him for his loyal and constant uh, grace and, and mercy with us all. Wonderful, wonderful. Anne wants to say something. Morning, morning. <clears throat> I remember going with Ian and Daniel. He loved to travel and, and explore England when they were living there. And going with them one day when I went to visit Leslie and John. And everything that has been said about him is just what he is. But I want to add the word faithful. Because I, he used to give me newspapers. I think they came from Jonathan. And every Sunday, he made sure that I got my newspaper. Even if I wasn't here, he made sure that I got my newspaper. So I just bless him for his kindness, his gentleness, and his faithfulness. Thank you. Anybody else? I second what you said, Jonathan, about Ian. There are two things that come to mind about Ian. The first thing is, on one of the visits that we went to see Danielle, we asked her where did it all start in terms of going to church. And she said, he was the one that got us started into church. He was the one. And the other thing is, just what Jonathan was saying, we were sitting in the, in the middle of the church one particular morning, and Ian came over, and he said to Cheryl, may I have your hand? And she was a bit uncomfortable, but she stuck out her hand, and he kissed her hand. He said, how lovely to see you this morning. <laughs> he had a lot of charm. He was very English. Um, hello, everybody. Talking about Ian not being flapped by any situation. When we arrived in England, John and I, we had quite a bit of luggage and we had had quite a journey getting there. We had uh, caused Terminal 2 of Heathrow to be evacuated. <clears throat> so by the time we got to the little village of Burrow Green where Ian and Dan stayed, we were quite rattled. And Ian had said, don't worry, I'll help you with transporting you to where they were staying. So we get off the train in this little village railway station, and we un, you know, we've got all our luggage standing there, and this tiny little white metro vehicle drives up, and out gets Ian, and I'm looking at the car, and I'm looking at our luggage, and he said, don't worry, it's fine. It'll all work out. And I don't know how he did it, but he got all our luggage in this tiny little white car and we got to Dan where she was waiting for us with a meal prepared as always. And I just want to say that Ian was very good to us when we were in England. And when we had to move houses, he said, don't worry, I will help you. And we thought, oh, no, not again. 
But this time he arrived with an enormous truck and helped us move. So thank you for all being here. Anybody else? Hi. Um, as you've heard, we've had the privilege of looking after Ian for the last little innings of his life. And um, I feel that uh, sometimes we get quite a lot of credit because we're there at the end. But I just want to give credit to his wonderful wife who has uh, shown the aspects of a nurse and caregiver for many, many years to him. And so I just wanted to honor that. And I wanted to just add a little side note that uh, I... I do a lot of end of life for charity, and in our home we obviously have end of life, and usually people pass away in the very early hours of the morning, and so it can be quite taxing and you get very little sleep. And Ian very kindly passed at 6.59. I hadn't even got into my pajamas yet, so I wanted to say he was considerate even at the end. And we also have to honor... Fina, who's worked with the, the Hill family, the Blackman family, the Harris family, uh, I think 50 years more, and she's cared for us and cared for Ian. So thank you, Fina. Yeah. Well done, Fina. So one of the songs that they prayed, pay, played, get it right just now, for Ian, uh, just in the few days before he'd passed, uh, was a song called Oceans. And his grandson and uh, our wonderful Simone are going to play that for us. So just listen to the words. It's, a, it's an amazing song. And uh, listen to them and just think about Ian and, and Jesus. Because at the end of the day, it is about Jesus. Jesus takes us. To where we don't know, but he's with us through it all. And we need to know that. And Ian, he is with Ian even now. He never left Ian. So we thank you. Um, Brenda, perhaps what you could do is just put the words up while Simone sings it so that people can just follow in their minds. The, the opening line is, you call me out. Um, And just to say that this song was played over and over for dad by Carrie. She, she had, she was putting, she put some um, music in his room and she played the song and then she said to him, do you want it again? And he nodded. Do you want it again? Yeah. You want some more? Yeah. So this is pretty much what played dad out of earth. And now we have the privilege of Simone singing it. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the life of Ian, of his life in you. And as we've just sung, we thank you, Lord, that Ian's soul rests in your embrace. Forever. The presence of God. In the real presence of God. As Paul says, it's not better to go and be with the Lord. It is far better. And so Ian followed Jesus. 
And he followed Jesus in life and he followed Jesus in death. And he's with him in his presence now. What joy, what celebration to be in the presence of God. And I have an invitation for all of us here. Do you know today, if this was your last moment, do you know that you would be in the arms of Jesus? Do you confess him as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God? When we believe that and we leave our own selfish, self-centered lifestyles and we follow him, we follow him wherever he leads. And so I thank you, Lord, that you called in and you're calling us today. You're calling us to walk with you. You're calling us to declare you as our Savior and Lord. So do that today. Declare Jesus as your Savior. As Ian did many, many years ago, and it's been a long journey through many valleys and difficulties and joys, and, but the Lord has always been there. And in this time in which we live in, this hard, difficult time, this time of corona and uncertainty, and life is hectic, We thank you, Lord, that we can rest in your embrace today, even now. So we thank you, Lord, that you are the resurrection and you are the life. And whoever believes in in Jesus, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in Jesus shall never die. We thank you for the scriptures which bring us such great hope this afternoon. Such great hope. That we are loved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he gave up his life that we might have life. We might have everlasting life. So we're going to close this memorial service with uh, amazing grace. And it's the new version. It's going to be, my chains are gone. I've been set free. And when you sing that, just think about Ian. His chains are gone. The chains of uh, his body battling to breathe, his mind, his mind was lost. That, that's gone. He's, he's in his right man, mind. He's rejoicing. He's singing. He's dancing. He's doing cartwheels. He was a gymnast himself. He's doing flick flex. He's doing all those things. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And we sing amazing grace. And it's only because of the amazing grace of God. Because he loved us when we were lost. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the life of Ian. And we just pray comfort on the family. We pray your blessing. And in the weeks and months ahead, Lord, that they would just know that you are the God who comforts. Amen.